0: Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Oh man, good morning, Church for All Nations. It is so good to be here with you this morning. Um, You've seen me already up here if it's your first time. My name is Pastor Eric Manley. Uh, My wife, Stephanie, and I have the privilege of pastoring small groups and families in this house, and we love it. Uh, We've been here for 13 years. Most of that time has been spent with Student Nation, which is an amazing group of young people, and uh, I know they're always looking for help. So if uh, you have a heart for young people to see the next generation raised up, come on, guys. It's time to get involved. You know what I'm saying? Let's raise these students up. Um, Pastor J.F. and Ashley, I was actually talking with uh, Pastor J.F. this morning, and he was getting ready to go out on stage. Not only are they on vacation, they're ministering at Trinity Miami Church this weekend. They had three services today, and I know Pastor Ashley spoke at one on Friday, an event. So, on their vacation, they're still bringing the Word of God. Aren't you grateful for leadership that just brings the Word of God and believes In all of what God is doing, it's so, so, so good. Well, as you saw, we are going to continue our series called Heroes of the Faith. And this series is based out of Hebrews chapter 11, where it goes through uh, and gives a synopsis, basically, of these men and women of the Old Testament who are revered for their faith in God. And that's what that chapter is really all about. They call it the Hall of Fame of Faith, or maybe you've just heard it referred to as the Hall of Faith. But that's what it is, okay? Chapter 11, all of these incredible names, and that's what we've been going over. And if if they could come down from heaven and talk to us and remove themselves from the grandstand of heaven, what is it? That they would say, and we're going to be looking, continuing to look at that this morning. When I was in high school, um, I played basketball. I love basketball. Like I played other sports too but basketball really was like my first love, okay? And uh, I still love to play basketball, it's just that basketball doesn't love me the same way as it used to. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I I mean? And uh, so anyway, this one year, um, in fact it was my senior year, we were playing against this school that was significantly bigger than we were. And I don't mean just their enrollment size, I was about the tallest guy on my team. So we were kind of small. I'm six foot two. And they came out. And I'm telling you, it was like the land of the giants. Their front line, I, because I was the tallest, I had to play in the front line, either forward or center or whatever. These guys afterward looked at the program, six, four, six, five, six, seven. Okay? And I'm not talking about like, I'm, I was six, two and one fifty five. Okay, do you see where I'm going with this? These guys were not in proportion to me. Okay, they were 6'4", 6'5", 6'7", and had a little more girth, shall we say. All right, so anyway, so we go out there and they're crushing us, literally like crushing us, okay? Figuratively, they're crushing us in every way. And we go through the first quarter and the second quarter and we are find ourselves down at halftime by 23 points. If you know anything about basketball, that's a lot. If you know anything about high school basketball where you only have eight minute quarters, it seems a little bit insurmountable. So anyway, as we're moping off of the court into the locker room, my former coach was sitting in the stands and he says, hey Manly, have a half. And I locked eyes with him and he gave me, he, he was, he was the coach that I played for that I got more out of. And I think he got more out of our team than probably he should have. Do you know what I mean? Like the guy that just, he, he just, he inspired it out of you. And I looked at him and he looked at me with such a familiar firm look. Which usually meant laps, right? When I was playing for him, or whatever lines, I guess. And uh, but his words kept ringing in my ear: "Have a half, have a half." And it was like, "Yeah, we're only halfway done. Halfway. That means we got two quarters to go. Come on, you know what I'm saying?" And I started to get like all like fired up, but just by myself because he was speaking to me. And then we go into the locker room and our coach is making the adjustments for halftime of what we need to do. And I'm just like in the corner freaking out a little bit because I'm like, have a half. Let's go. We're going to have a half. That's what we're going to do. And our team comes out in the third quarter and we're fired up because we're going to have a half. You know what I'm talking about? And we do. And we started chipping away at this 23 point deficit. And pretty soon that 23 point deficit became 18. And pretty soon that 18 became... Came 13. And we went into the fourth quarter down only by like eight points. And we were like, okay, we're have, We had a quarter. We got one more quarter to have a half. And we came out and we were fired up. And this team was on their heels at that point, right? Because we came out fired up. They came out not so fired up. They were just trying to go home. We were trying to get the W okay? And so we keep running up and down the court, and pretty soon that eight-point lead that they had dwindles down to three, and then that three-point lead, we pull even, and we pull even with like two minutes to go, and then it's just back and forth, and we hang on, and we beat those suckers, man. I'm telling you, it was so awesome, and it all started, and we were, let me me say this, and we were like, have you guys seen Rocky? You know, like at the end, and he's like, You know, and he's like, oh, his face is mutilated, and he's ugly, and he can't talk. That's how we felt, because that's what we felt like we just went through. And it all started because one person yelled from the stands, hey, manly, have a half. And in this story in Hebrews, we have these heroes that are yelling from the grandstands for us. Let's look at the text. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 has kind of been our anchor text. Let's read that together this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can look at the screens. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. What a sight for these clouds of witnesses to be cheering us on from their heavenly places. Come on, guys, that's good. And there might be somebody in your life that is cheering you on with those heroes because they were a hero in your life spiritually. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was your grandparents. Maybe it was your grandma or your grandpa or your auntie or your uncle, and they brought you to church and they encouraged you in the things of the Lord. And they're together and they're yelling out, you can do it. You can do it. Let's go. Have a half because it doesn't matter where you're at. You still got to finish. You know what I'm saying? Two weeks ago, Pastor Ashley talked about Samson and how Samson screwed up. He got things wrong more than he got things right. Can anybody relate with that or is it just me? Come on, somebody, right? And so, but even then, if he could come down from the heavenly grandstand and say something to you, it might be something like, don't be blind to the calling God has on your life. Last week, Pastor JF talked about Noah And if Noah could come down from those grandstands and say something to you and coach you wherever you are, he might say something like, you make a difference. So I'm excited today because today we are going to be covering like the OG hero. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm talking about the patriarch of the faith, Abraham. Abraham, come on, give it up. I'm excited for Abraham. So let's go. We are going to be reading in Genesis chapter 12. We'll start with verse one. But I think if Abraham were to come down, I think he would run in this journey right alongside of us. You know why I think that is even though we don't even necessarily know where we're going, I think he's willing to go with us because he had already been called into a land that he was unfamiliar with. Let's read Genesis chapter 12, verse one. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I want to just pause right there because I'm going to be referring to him just like the word does as Abram until further notice, okay? I'm just going to stay consistent with his stories. So as we journey through this unknown, I think our hero would tell us today God always does the right thing. God always does the right thing. And I think he'd say, I'm going to give you three reasons why you can trust God's character. Here's the first reason. Here's the first one. God does the right thing even when it takes a long time. Come on, I know that there's somebody in this house that agrees with me on that. So let's get some quick context here. Abram and Sarai, his wife, are married. They are not newlyweds. He is 75. She is 65. They're not honeymooning and planning their family, okay? They're old, okay? And those years are behind them, but we'll come back to that in a minute. But I wanna show you what God told them after now that we've been introduced. This was God's call on his life in Genesis chapter two. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed because of you. And he didn't even mention, God didn't even mention the songs that would be written about him that we would sing in 20th century America, right? What a blessing that must have been for him as we all sang as a kid. Come on. Father Abraham Abraham had many sons. You know what? Sing it. Father, Father Abraham, I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. You know the song? And whoever wrote that song, I don't know if they're getting royalties, but man, that is what a blessing. <laughs> what a blessing. But all of a sudden God's promise to him isn't just you're moving out. It's like, hey, you're moving out and you're moving up. And that's exciting because God's saying, you know, Abram is hearing this. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll go. Because you're going to bless me. You're going to choose me. You're going to make me into a great nation. Yes. Let me tell you something. Hearing from God is exciting. Waiting on God can be agonizing. You know what I'm saying? And the Lord knows we don't like to wait because we feel like we've been forgotten. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? Um, in February this year, remember all the snow we had in February? It was a lot of fun. We were sledding at um, it, in like Fort Stillicum area and uh, we were having a great time. And Kai, right here, yeah, Kai, um, when we were sledding, uh, we were going, it wasn't like an actual sledding hill that people say, oh yeah, you should do this. It was just a hill that we found that was covered with snow and people were sledding on it. So we said, all right, let's do it. And uh, anyway, in our haste and in our fun, we were tubing and sledding down these hills, and it was such a great time. And uh, about halfway through the day, Kai was like, man, I really jacked up my knee. It hurts bad. But of course, he doesn't stop, right? He just gets back onto the tube and runs up to the hill and keeps going down. Anyway, it started after that day to become more and more of a problem, and he couldn't straighten out his leg. And we were like, "Well, let's try this, and and let's try some um, anti-inflammatories, because maybe that'll help." And I have a friend who who just took a look at it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, try this first." And nothing seemed to help. And Kai was on crutches, and it was really discouraging for him. Because pretty soon we had to go see the doctor and then we had to go to see a specialist, which is a whole, I mean, oh my goodness, just to see somebody took forever. But anyway, there was this promise that he wanted to walk again, right? And, and But we had to go through, he, he, he had to go through into surgery and stuff and it was fine, he, he recovered great. But the thing is, is in order for him to receive the promise of being able to walk, he had to go through the procedure that allowed him to do that. And I think with us, we want the promise of God, right? It sounds cool. Oh yeah, I'll I'll receive that. But we're not ready for the procedure that leads to the promise that God wants to perform. You see what I'm saying? And let me tell you that there is a procedure that has to lead to the promise. So God promises Abram that he's going to go and be this great nation and It's going to be amazing. And he's going to have many descendants. And Abraham, Abram's like, yeah, that's good. But let's take a quick glance. Let's fast forward through Abram's next 10 years. He moves out of the place that he had called home with his family and everything else. He survives a famine. He lies to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and denies that Sarai is his wife. He actually did that twice in his lifetime. Let me tell you something, guys, that'll make a long decade right there. Come on. Hello. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Not a good idea. All right. So let's just, there you go. That's free. Put that in your back pocket and pull it out whenever you want to. After that, (laughs) after that, He goes through like this big family drama because his nephew Lot's guys and his guys can't get along. So Abram's like, well, you take whatever land you want and I'll go the opposite direction. And so they had this huge parting of ways. But then after Lot was separated from him. He got kidnapped. So Abram had to join together a band of merry men, 318 of them actually, and he had to go find Lot. They had to fight for Lot. They had to rescue Lot. And in the meantime, 10 years later, he's got no baby. Even if it takes a long time. Hello. And Abram's like, God, what? What's going on? Like, you remember that promise, right? Like, I didn't eat something bad. That was you speaking. And God gives him a vision. He says, fear not. In fact, let me take you out under the stars. And he, he shows him the midnight sky. And he says, can you count the number of stars that are there? Because your descendants will be even greater than the amount of stars that are in the sky. And it says that Abram believed him. Now, in a time of doubt, though, how many know you can believe in God, but you still do dumb stuff? So, in a time of doubt, he and Sarai, get this, grand plan. And Sarai says, how about this? Why don't you take my young maidservant who still is of childbearing years, and you have a baby with her? Now, it doesn't say that Abraham resisted in any way. And I was thinking of all the jokes that I could insert here. You know what I'm saying? Like, what would be appropriate? And I decided nothing would be appropriate. So we're going to move on. But it caused it caused a whole lot of problems in the in the Abram household. All right, a lot of problems, and uh, it was a mess, is what it was. Because they weren't happy with God's timing. And I think that that's all too real for some of us because we feel like God called us to something specific. God, uh, he called us to a specific purpose. He called us to a specific ministry. He called us to a specific job. He called us to a specific milestone and it still hasn't happened. And we're like, God, where are you at? Second Peter addresses this very thing. It says this, 2 Peter chapter 3, 8, 9 says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness, but instead, he is patient with you. God always does the right thing even if it takes a long time. And knowing that should give you total peace in the procedure that leads to the promise God wants to perform. The second thing that I think Abram would say, if he could come down from the grandstand of heaven and talk to us and coach us where we are. I think he would say something like, God always does the right thing, even if it sounds crazy. Uh And let me tell you something, y'all. It's about to get cray with this. What's gonna happen right here, okay? It's about to, so check this out. Genesis chapter 17, God is going to revisit Abram, and he's got a new message for him. Let's read it together. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared and said to him, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. Verse 15 says, as Sarah, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. When Abraham, now 99 years old, God says, hey, I'm ready to cash in on that promise that I gave you. (laughs) I'm ready if you're ready. Even if it takes a long time. And now even if it seems crazy, I am going to change your name from Abram to Abraham, and from Sarai to Sarah. And here is why that is significant. Right now at 99 and 89, how many kids has Sarah had? Zero, but God. God. Can somebody say, but God? God. Thank you. Because here's what I'm talking about. God changed Abram's name to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. Why is that significant? Because God changed his name to the father of many nations before he was the father of any nations. And I think somebody has to hear that this morning because you walked in here and your name was fragmented and God wants to rename you fixed. Your name was greedy and God wants to rename you a giver. Your name was confused. and God wants to rename you Clarity. God, you came in here and your name was strung out and God wants to rename you, Set You Free. You came here and you were weak and God wants to make you strong because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't know where you are or what your name is, but God wants to rename you this morning no matter what you're going through and he wants to say it to you before you're even changed because he is prophetically speaking to you this morning. Right. 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 Right right. Abraham. So, what was Abraham's reaction? Our hero. Surely, in response to God's promise, he would provide us with wisdom and insight and how to respond when hearing from the Lord. And in Genesis 17, 17, when he heard this, he fell on his face and laughed. That's what the word says, I'm not making that up. And you might be thinking, well, duh, because men always laugh at inappropriate times. Can I get an amen from the ladies in the house? Clearly, God spoke to the wrong person in the relationship. So let's look at Sarah. What was her reaction when she heard that she was going to have a baby? Oh, she laughed too. Well. Pastor Wirch and Miss Phyllis. You we we talked a little bit this week. I love they've been leading torchbearers in this house for 26 years. <laughs> I love these people. And uh 26 years you you guys have been leading torchbearers. How many times in that and you were in ministry before that. Like it's been a lifetime of ministry. How many times have you had a 90-year-old lady come into Torchbearers or a church maybe at another time rejoicing because she was finally pregnant with her firstborn? Is that none? I'm shocked. Are you surprised? I'm shocked. Listen, that's because it's crazy. Pregnant at 90? It doesn't make any sense. But here's the thing is that even in Sarah's laughter, In the Hall of Fame of Faith, it actually addresses her. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, it says And by faith, Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And don't you know, he was faithful and fulfilling the promise in the next year. Sarah, and Abraham had little baby Isaac, 190 years old, respectively. What a story. I think the third thing that Abraham would say to us, if he could come down and he could coach us on this journey of life, is God always does the right thing, even if we don't understand. Because you see, Abraham's greatest test was still in front of him. Genesis chapter 22 says this Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, Abraham said, Here I am. And he said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there on a, burnt, on a mountain that I will show you. This is the son of promise. This doesn't make any sense. It seems to go against the very nature of who God is and what he does and what he said to Abraham. You said you were going to make me a great nation through Isaac, you did this thing with him. And, 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 and Sarah had a baby at 90 and now you want me to give him back? You, you want me to give him up? You want me to, to sacrifice him? It doesn't make any sense. How did he respond this time? The next verse says that Abraham got up early in the morning and he packed up his stuff and he took his son and they set out on this journey. After years of Abraham questioning God, negotiating with God, Reacting to God's promises. Compromising his own integrity. Abraham finally learned the secret to walking with the Lord. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Let's finish this story. This is a good one. Verse 9 now, Genesis 22. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. It's easy to look at that passage and wonder, God, what are you doing? Why would you call Abraham to kill his only son, the son of the promise, Isaac? And the bottom line is, is God did not call him to kill his son, Isaac. What he did is he was asking him, do you trust me? With your most prized and loved possession on this earth, do you trust me? me. Let me tell you something. Obedience is completed when inward surrender is completed. Because if you remember, Jesus spoke about the very thing on the Sermon on the Mount, that actions on the outside are not necessary for the action to be completed in your heart. Abraham's offering wasn't about killing Isaac. It was about total trust in God. So why did God take so stinking long to fulfill his promise to Abraham? Probably the same reason why you feel like God is taking so long to fulfill the promise in your life because he wants your total trust and total trust only comes through testing. I think if you are going through a test of not having enough this morning, let me tell you, God always does the right thing because he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. You might be going through a season and and a test of sickness in your body. Let me tell you that God always does the right thing because he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. You might be in a season of anxiety and depression and fear, but let me tell you, God always does the right thing because he is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. You might be in a season of loneliness, but God always does the right thing because he is Jehovah Shema, the Lord who is there. If you are feeling distant from the Lord and you don't know how far that you've come and how far you've gotten away, let me tell you that God wants to bring you back because he always does the right thing because he is Jehovah Mekedesh, the Lord who sanctifies you and has set you apart to be called by his name. God has been faithful to fulfill every promise he made. And I think that is why Abraham would say, you can trust God's character. In James chapter 2, verse 23, it says this, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, but I love this part. And he was called a friend of God. Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 15, also called his disciples friends. And the word. That was used in James, and the word that is used in the book of John when Jesus was speaking comes from the same word, which is phylos in the original text. And it implies and it explains an experiential type of love, something that you went through with that person that they can't take from you, a memory, a bonding experience. The the military, if you're in the military this morning, you know that all too well, that there is something unique that happens when you are out on that battlefield that no one can take with you when you are arm in arm with your brothers and sisters. Or maybe you've been on a missions trip or a foreign country or doing something and you've experienced that with somebody else and it's an experience, it's a bond, it's a type of love that no one can ever take away from you. God wants you to have that type of relationship with him this morning. For everything you do, you experience with the Lord. He wants to be a part of that. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your God. But think about the Savior, the, the, the creator of the world, who made all of those stars, who made the, everything that's held into place, and, and, and he's ready to call us friend. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.